And what were they thinking? It's a three on none. In overtime, you just came roaring back yet again. And you've been gifted by the hockey gods to have a three on none in overtime. And no shot was taken on Tuka Rask. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates here on the DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Penguins lost in overtime by a 3-2 count. Did well to come back yet again. Did poorly to fall behind yet again. Took way, 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 way too long to get into the game yet again. Really halfway through the third period. But you've heard all that already. We've talked about that already. We've complained about it. We're going to keep complaining about it because I don't know that it's a problem that's going to go away. I don't know that it's some team thing. As much as it feels like a team-wide malaise, I've reached the point now where I look across the roster and I see a handful of individuals who just have yet to show up for the season. Two of them, most unfortunately, were on this three-on-none. Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, both of whom had mostly... Awful nights, although Latang really got a lot stronger in the third period. Malkin did to some extent as well. But you're not just talking about them. You're still talking about Jason Zucker. Uh, Brian Dumoulin, who was injured in the third period and didn't return, uh, Mike Sullivan described that afterward as a lower body injury, had no additional information. He hadn't been himself either. John Marino has played very poorly, the worst of his career. And I'm saying that in the context, understanding that, you know, he was just a rookie last year, but he had zero slumps as a rookie, zero struggles. And now all of a sudden things seem to be snowballing on him, although in fairness he's been forced to play out of position because the Penguins can't keep any of their left-handed defensemen on the ice. These aren't the only guys. I mean, it took Brian Rust a while to get going. Uh, this is never popular to say anything critical about Sid, but I have been all that wild about his five-on-five game overall. I mean, I, the first line's been all right the last couple of games, but I haven't seen Sidney Crosby yet, you know, meaning Sidney Crosby. Tristan Jaris seems to have found some footing after the opening week, makes some uh, good saves against the Bruins, but again, wasn't, you know, game-breaking. Certainly hasn't reached the level that he was at last year. But I, I just can't. I, I, I'm not there. I, I, I'm all about that three-on-none. How? 
How does that happen? This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes their socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, hypoallergenic, warmer than wool. This is the time of year for Warrior Alpaca Socks. When you go to their website, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK just for our podcast listeners. So for anyone who didn't see it, the Penguins really did get a three-on-none. And this is the kind of thing that happens in three-on-three overtime because you don't really have anyone designated to hang back. It's just a puck possession game, a hard puck possession game, meaning you do anything necessary to keep it, including you've seen all those retreats out of the attacking zone where you go back and reset between the blue lines and re-enter. That only happens in three-on-three overtime. Heck, the Penguins lost the game with 10 seconds and change left in overtime on a two-on-none. So the actual event is not all that freakish. It just isn't. The puck pops forward. Brian Rust decides he's going to be the third guy. So he kind of hangs back, angles his body a little bit to try to slow the Bruins from pursuing these two guys without getting an interference penalty. That's the extent of his role. I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't think there was any benefit to Rust jumping up there and making it a true three-on-none. However, as it broke, it was a three-on-none and therefore deserves that distinction of being a three-on-none that didn't generate a shot. Because then here comes Evgeny Malkin right down the middle, which right off the bat isn't a great idea. And Chris Letang comes up behind him a little bit to the left. Letang can do a couple of things there. Letang can kind of hang on, let Gino go and try to beat Rask himself and clean up on a rebound. Or he can go and try to set up a two-on-none with two guys each going to their off wing for a one-time shot. Sounds good, I guess, whatever. But then Malkin slows down to a virtual standstill. Like, his body was completely upright at one point in the sequence. And yes, I froze the frame to verify. Like, he didn't completely stop skating because there was a glide going. But he just stood up as if to say, well, this is no big deal. It's just a three-on-none in overtime. After my team just roared back, heck, after I just helped that rally by assisting on Kasperi Kapanen's very nice tying goal. He gets down there with Latang and he, he sees him there, and he's like, oh, Tanger's here too. Okay. Well, let's see. Maybe I could yell down to Tuca and make it even easier for him by yelling it in Finnish that I'm going to slow this play down and pass across to Latang because he's right-handed and he just skated to my left side. Tuca's waiting for these guys, seemingly forever, 
Latang puts himself into not necessarily the best shooting spot. I'm going to cut myself off here because I sound silly critiquing these guys that are these super extraordinary NHL players, and I'm a guy in front of a microphone. I get that. I never lose sight of that at that angle to this. Trust me on that. But I'd also like to think that what I'm expressing right now is what Joe the janitor would be expressing if he was just watching this from the Zamboni runway. This doesn't take Scotty Bowman. Gino gets down there, barely pulls Tuca out, tries this softish little pass across to Latang that Tuca gets his stick on as if it's nothing. Puck hops up in the air over Latang. End of play. And for all intents and purposes, end of game. How many teams do you see blow something like that and not win it? And you can say, hey, they got a point. That's really nice and everything else here. That's not how it works this year. When you're playing nothing but games inside your division, every point the other team takes matters. You're giving up a point to somebody else in the same set of standings that you're in. Every single game is a four-point game, to use the hockey vernacular. If people are reasonably expecting, and I think they are, the Penguins to be competing with the Bruins, the Islanders, we'll see who else, you know, the Flyers set themselves up into that top four, five, maybe six teams in the division. Every one of these points counts, including the ones that you give away. This was given away. And it was given away by two guys who looked like they just, I don't know, like they wanted to be somewhere else. Mike Sullivan was asked in Boston after the game if he could explain what he saw on that three-on-none. I don't tell them anything. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I can say can can help them moving forward. I think they they understand the circumstances. These guys are world class players. Beautiful diplomatic answer there, huh? You like that? Yeah, they know what they did, but why do they keep doing it? I guess you could say that about these guys all the time, especially these two. I'm going to repeat. Latang and Malkin both had pretty good third periods. They both bounced back very nicely from two to two and a half rotten periods. But why are we still talking about this? Why are we still talking about whether or not they're going or whether they want to be going or motivation or things like that? Why are we still doing that? This was game seven of a 56-game schedule. One-eighth of the season has elapsed. Why are we still discussing these things with these two guys? I'm sorry, but they have lost, to some extent, that right to be thought of as above this sort of thing. In other words, that we think, well, it's just those guys, and we understand how they are. They'll come around. They always do. They always have. No. Okay? No. This team has put a lot, a lot of eggs into this 
basket, meaning the core basket. Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Crosby's not going anywhere ever, so we're really talking about Malkin and Latang. That's come from ownership on down. They've committed to this core. How about these guys commit back and come out in the next game against the Bruins like they mean it from the very start? When we come back, just one question. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. Time for just one question. If you'd like to leave a question for this portion of the program, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that encompasses this podcast and leave it right there in the comments underneath. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you always by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. They're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need in Western Pennsylvania. They're here for you when you need them. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. Today's question comes from Matt, who asks, do you think there's a better chance that the Penguins win the Mass Mutual East Division or that they miss the playoffs? Well, Matt, I first have to express serious admiration for you using the Mass Mutual designation for the East Division. That's the first time that phrase has made it out of my mouth. <laughs> and I've got to admit, it's not a very comfortable feeling. I know why the league's doing it, but it sure is weird. As with anything that's one-eighth of the way through, it's going to be a tough thing to answer, but some things are starting to take shape. At least I think they are in the East Division. First of all, to kind of reiterate from the end of that previous segment, that point against the Bruins is big. The Penguins are now 4-2-1. The Bruins are 4-1-1. Same number of points, but the you know, the Bruins are right there. And, and if you go through the whole division here, Washington is in first place for anybody who doesn't know. Although a lot of these are going to be distorted by games played because it's so early. Washington's 4-0-3. Then the Bruins 4-1-1. Then the Flyers 4-2-1. Same record as the Penguins. And then you get into Devils and Sabres. And then the Islanders are... Floating around down there at the bottom for some bizarre reason. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. Uh, That's not right. The Islanders are going to end up in the top four. I believe that very strongly, unless something very, very strange takes place on Long Island. But the other ones, Devils, Sabres, uh, Rangers, didn't impress me here in Pittsburgh and being 1-4-1 one, and one overall, I, I can't imagine they're impressing too many people in too many places. So what you're looking at, and this was what I'd expected all along, is a, a five-team race for four spots. 
I've forever been of the opinion that if you finish first, it doesn't matter. Uh, the Penguins' own history of winning five Stanley Cup championships will back me on that. Unless I'm mistaken, there's only one of those championships that came after the Penguins won their division. Doesn't really matter. It won't matter in this setting either, This these you know temporary coronavirus divisions. Out of these five, Washington, Boston, Philadelphia, the Islanders, and the Penguins, the one that I'm most inclined to throw out, ironically, is the one that's currently in first place. I'm not at all a believer in what the Capitals have assembled this year. Uh, obviously have a lot of respect for Alexander Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, John Carlson, Evgeny Kuznetsov, all those guys and everything else. But I, I didn't see much of a supporting cast when they were in Pittsburgh just now. I was really disappointed in Jakub Vrana being virtually invisible. I thought he might be one of those guys that really jumps up, you know, that takes that big step in his career. He's got the talent. He's definitely got the speed. Didn't see it. And I don't really think the Capitals have done themselves any favors at all at the goaltending position. So I could see them falling out. So I see the Penguins making the playoffs, but that wasn't your question. You asked what would be more likely, them finishing first or finishing all the way out. Um, I would say that the chances of the Penguins finishing all the way out aren't great, if only because they're playing like a word that I'm not going to (laughs) say. They're they're playing very, very badly for the most part these days, and yet they keep coming away with wins and or points, you know? Uh, Eventually, you'd think they're going going to, A, stop losing left-handed defensemen, and B, stop giving up leads to everyone they play, at which point things will kind of settle down. The matter is, or the question is, you know, when is all that going to happen? That This is totally a half, half full, half empty cup argument here. So I could see Washington getting thrown out of that mix. I, I don't know about the rest. I, I, I'm telling you, mark my words, the Islanders aren't going to be hanging around down near the bottom. So too early to tell is the best best answer I've got for you, Matt. But I, I think the Penguins are at least positioning themselves, despite their generally poor play, to have at least snaked through these first seven games without falling on their face and digging a deep hole. Good question. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll do this again tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.